Hi, I'm Zach, and I'm here to rebrand your world. Oh my god. I don't know. That was like a terrible pickup line. I <laughs> Valentine's Day just passed, so maybe <laughs> and Zach put out a bunch of marketing pickup lines on our Twitter account. So I think that's a little bit ingrained in you right now. I can't get it out. I just I, they fire in away. Fire in away. Although <laughs> if I heard that it would not make any sense at all to me. So but anyways. <laughs> My name's Caitlin, and truthfully, I'm too tired this morning to come up with an, with an intro, so I don't know, Zach, you might have won that one. Oh, pitiful. That was bad. That was bad, but it's only up from here. That's what we're starting, so uh, welcome to Manipulating the Masses. Wow. Don't give yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives. Tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel? Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder? Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines, you are not cattle, you, the people, have the power. Okay, um, Caitlin, today's your wheelhouse. I'm glad you're feeling sleepy, so you can just kind of like, I want off the cuff, I want just natural Caitlin reactions. Um, cause we are talking your wheelhouse. We're talking rebranding and, uh, kind of the efforts and intricacies that take place, uh, in a rebranding effort. We'll talk about some successful rebranding efforts. We'll talk about some very unsuccessful rebranding efforts. And then one of the most notorious, uh, cases, uh, court cases that forced a company to rebrand. I guess my, my, my first question to you, Caitlin, is I'm assuming you've been a part of a rebranding effort or yeah. do you have any rebranding? Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Or do you have like any great rebranding stories in your mind, like a company that you just like pops out to you that did it well or did not do it well? Um, two part question. So uh yeah. two two uh well you asked a two-part question so i will give you a two-part answer one yes i go. have been a part of rebranding projects i don't know if you if this is my opportunity to talk about what we did with that rebranding project or kind of the strategy behind it i don't know if that's going to take up too much time on the podcast no. okay this is a marketing um, podcast caitlin let's <laughs> let's teach some marketing we can't talk about satanic panics every time you know we got to do a little marketing <laughs> So with our rebranding efforts, we often come in when the company is 40, 50 years old and they have a super outdated logo, they have an outdated uh, website, but you have to keep in mind that they've been around for 40 or 50 years and they've been successful in their marketplace. So they have some brand identity and they have some brand awareness. So what our job is to do is to actually create or I guess sustain their brand and just elevate it and just kind of modernize it and make it contemporary. We did this with a company about a year ago. It was in the, I don't know, what do you call it? Like home industry? Like you have your yeah, home inspections, home real home services. Thank you. Um, and it was a water heater mm -hmm. company and uh, they had been around for 80 years. They had these blue and red color palettes, which we didn't want to get away from as much as we hate those color palettes. It was <laughs> so 
pertinent to the industry that they were in. If you look at home services, they're pretty much all red and blue. I don't know where, I don't know who in the eighties decided that home (laughs) services has to equal red and blue colors, but they did. Someone decided it and then every single home service company did it. Although we wanted to get away from that, we couldn't because they had been around for so many years and they had uh, authority, they had brand authority. So Mm -hmm. what we did is we just elevate it. We kind of expand their color palettes a little Mm -hmm. bit. So you introduce a white or you introduce a black or you introduce kind of a tertiary or secondary color to that. um, And then boom, it's a little bit more contemporary. Um, And of course we we redid their logo too. So you can't go too far away from what they currently have. You just introduce modern fonts, contemporary fonts, nothing that is on trend. There is a difference. There's trendy Mm -hmm. logos and then there's contemporary modern logos. Uh, So Mm -hmm. you have to kind of figure out where that line is. Um, So that's my one part answer. My second part answer is you asked uh, about a company. I don't know if you will know this company. You probably will. Chobani, which is a yogurt company. Oh, yeah, definitely. Chobani did something really interesting. And instead of moving forward with the brand, they moved backwards. And I thought it was so Mm. well done. So they had kind of their brand wasn't anything special. It was it was good. It was a staple. You knew Chobani when you saw it in the grocery store. But what they did, I think it was maybe, oh God, I don't know, three to five years ago now, they actually reverted back to more of a retro 70s style kind of like feel good logo and uh, uh, brand identity. And they used kind of, they introduced kind of different palettes that were more indicative of the 70s than they were of the 2020s. Mm. Um, And I thought that was just so well done. So that was kind of the biggest rebrand that sticks out in my mind. Love that. Love that answer. Um, And then, I I mean, as far as I go, I was with you on the water heater rebrand, but also uh, in college uh, as a budding marketing student before I changed majors to creative writing. Uh, I was like picked as a student representative for my college's rebrand of Valparaiso University. And it was very interesting because like their mascot was they were the Valparaiso Crusaders. There's a bunch of issues with being the Crusaders, Um, but they had like this fighting dude, like this guy with fists up, but it was a white guy in a night suit. And that was their logo. And I just thought it very interesting that like when we went through the rebrand, like they made it clear that like the the shield of the night had to be down. So you there was no race to the night or the, you know, the Crusader. And then instead of having like fists up, you had a shield, right? So it was more like you're protecting rather than like engaging in fights. And I just think like little things like that fascinated me with marketing, like really how you pick up that stuff. And then this last year, they completely changed to the beacons. So, you know, that rebranding didn't last very long. I love your, I love your start on this. I think Chobani is a great example. Um, I picked out some other brands that went through rebranding recently or recently ish as well. Uh, and let's start with some successful ones. And I, I you're going to love this one. The first one I have is Burberry, actually, the uh, fashion brand Burberry. So chic. Uh, so that chic. You well, that out. absolutely. And this is, that's exactly why, because you said it. It's a chic brand. It's worn by, you know, like high end people, wealthy. It has this wealthy establishment. But did you know, Caitlin, at one time, Burberry was like considered the uh, clothing of like hoodlums 
and like uh gangsters uh burberry was like at one time associated with like kind of uh, oh my god that and then they completely rebranded at one point like burberry was like banned from being worn in bars because it was associated with like these this gang wear wow um, that's yeah. amazing yes but then uh in 2001 uh christopher bailey the creative director of burberry overhauled the brand to like have it be that modern yet classic look um sexier trench coat type of type of deals and then um yeah they uh they started to be associated with chicness which is incredible right mm -hmm. um the other fashion one that i pulled out was uh j crew mm. uh their their rebrand and so rebrand i'm just trying to get at the point like rebrands more than a logo more than a name like it is a feeling associated with the brand it's your right? entire identity like you pointed out with burberry it's it was associated with a certain demographic and then with a strong well done rebrand you can completely pivot your entire brand and not and not move away from the name absolutely and i, I think the example of j crew is your brand is not just your logo or the feeling but it's also the the people that associate with your brand because yeah. j crew was was struggling in sales and then they got michelle obama to sign on and be an endorser and that completely turned the brand around I think my my last kind of like brilliant example of this is Paps Blue Ribbon, PBR. Uh, classic. They, classic, doesn't really change the brand, but they caught onto this culture of like hipsters drinking it. Like they really leveraged it. It used to be like cheap and fratty beer, but now like it sold for like $44 a pop in China. Like they're selling like high-end PBR. And they have completely shifted the focus of their brand by leaning into that type of stuff. I just find that fascinating. That brings back so many good memories of when I, <laughs> what, my drinking days in my early 20s, just sitting yeah. at the, we had a ski bar out in Seattle and there was something called, um, well, here in Tahoe, it's called a Happy Meal, and you order a shot of Jägermeister, and then it comes with a PBR, and that was a Happy Whoa. Meal. <laughs> I know, oh. it's so gross. But that as a like 20, 25-year-old, you Absolutely. were the cool person if you were drinking PBRs. It totally was a hipster drink. Coors 100%. Light was just like, oh, that's a cheap beer. There's nothing interesting about it. But the PBR was like, oh, okay, you're a hipster. Yeah, but the quality... Like, I grew up, I, I didn't grow up, but like I spent 10 years in Seattle drinking. So it was like, you <laughs> yeah. definitely had a stamp of approval when you ordered a PBR. 100%. Same in Portland when I lived there. Yes. Like people would, would down PBRs. And it's just the same, it's the same quality of like content in there. It's just the, <laughs> it's how shit. they, it's shit beer. It's terrible. But yeah. like it was just the being associated with that. So I think they leveraged that really well. Now let's talk about some some ones that I mean, there's the notorious one with Pepsi, where they spent like, uh, you know, close to like $7 million on a logo redesign. And literally, they took it from that straight wave, white wave in the middle, and then they just angled it up and made the the ball just a little more three dimensional. And it was like a $7 million rebrand or like $70 million. I mean, no, like an insane amount of money was spent and that all they had was like a little shift in there. Um, 
logo. I'm trying to think, and I want to break that down as to like why it costs 70 million. Cause you're not, you're not just paying a graphic designer 70 million. Like it's not just no. a focus group of one. They're actually, I, I assume, and I want to tell our audience like why that costs 70 million. I assume it's because they're running a shit ton of focus groups yep. and then going back and redesigning, running a focus group, redesigning, running a focus group, redesigning, potentially running uh, A-B testing on billboards. That's what I assume the 70 million is spent on because my first thought was, who the fuck charged them $70 million <laughs> for a logo? That's not even a full brand, that's a logo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wild. It it was it was like it's the same feeling i agree it was a overpriced and that's why it's kind of mocked in the in the marketing world as like the one of the most overpriced and exhaustive logo redesigns that that resulted in barely any difference i didn't even know they i don't even i did not even know that they did a rebrand yeah it was in 2008 so like uh in a little bit longer ago now but um not a crazy difference not a crazy difference at all the other one that I pulled out uh, is BP was forced to, British Petroleum was forced oh, to yeah. completely rebrand as well. They had this kind of shield as their logo and then um, oil spill happens and they completely, the BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico and then they completely redesign it and now it's like a Helios is what they call it. It's like a sun design and it's it a green, has lighter and shades green of it. green. Mm -hmm. And... I can speak to that too. They they tactfully chose colors that represented eco-friendly, sustainable, like there is color theory behind their new logo. And you look at it and you feel mm -hmm. a sense of, you feel lighter a little bit. Like if you look at a shield, it's very aggressive. If you look at this green helio, is it called a helioplex? What is it called? Helix? Helios. Helios, Helios. is what they're... Yeah. If you look at this Helios, it, it does kind of alleviate a lot of stress. You see bright yellows and greens, and it's just a little bit of a happier logo. And yellow in the color theory scale does represent happiness, and green represents uh, sustainability. Yeah, and I think they did a great job, and that's exactly what they were going for. And I yeah. think even in their like commercials and stuff, they get a little animation behind it where it's kind of spinning. Uh, it just is very soothing. Um, Basically saying, forget about all that oil that we spilled in the ocean. It never time. happened. It was it a never happened. <laughs> all right. And then uh, to round this kind of conversation out before we get to our main story, I want to, there was three major rebrands very recently, and I want to get just your gut reaction to, to what the new rebrands are. Uh, first one, uh, Facebook to Meta. <laughs> what's, your, what's your thought on that? I don't know. That's too recent. I'm still wrapping my head around that. I'm still <laughs> wrapping my head around that. Um, I might, I might kind of trip over my words here because I'm just kind of, I still haven't really made up my mind about it, but I think Facebook has come, come under so much fire that they're trying to move away from the Facebook name and rebrand themselves as meta, which uh, kind of sounds, I think meta is more of a, well, it, it's a little bit more universal, right? Like you're, it's more inclusive, mm -hmm. uh, a meta universe maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they have this infinity sign next to it uh, that c it, it feels very 
tech driven almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, again, I'm just kind of like shooting from the hip here, just kind of talking verbal vomit. Well, I just, yeah, I just wanted, I wanted your gut reaction to it, you know? <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Okay. So my gut reaction is like, it makes me laugh because <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I think our social media or our marketing manager was the first person to bring it to my attention was like, holy shit, Facebook just rebranded out of fucking nowhere. Like, mm -hmm. where did that come from? And they just mm -hmm. put out this brand called Meta. And it was like, uh, what do we do with this? What do we do with this Meta? Like, is Facebook now Meta? Is that what we call it? So it's very confusing. I think maybe that's my gut reaction is I can't even process it. Yeah, I think it was a, a clunky launch. But um, I think uh, at the same time, uh, you're exactly right. Like Facebook has a connotation to it that that can't really be saved or can't be salvaged at this point. So just change your name. Everybody forgets about it. Okay, then what about this one? Um, Weight Watchers is now WW. Yeah, so they changed from Weight Watchers to I think they call it WW. Is yeah, the brand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that for does wellness that and well-being now. So oh, uh, shut up. So it's called so that, wellness and well-being. Well, that's what the WW stand for. So it's like I thought that was an interesting move because you don't lose the Weight Watchers connotation in history, but also you're completely changing the name and shifting the narrative to wellness and well-being. I think um, it's a half-ass job. I think it's so it's uh well obviously we're moving more towards this body positive movement in society yeah. today and weight watchers what launched in the 90s I don't I don't know maybe 80s yeah, even Yeah something in there something yeah. pretty where where like heroin chic was the look to go after <laughs> <laughs> you know like the Kate Mosses that was the look mm -hmm. And so Weight Watchers, but, and then just to rebrand themselves as WW and they're like, oh, we kind of, oh, piss poor job. That gives my negative stamp. <laughs> okay. Piss poor you job. You like it. You now that I'm like really it. like talking it through, it's like, <laughs> it's the rebranding example that I gave of the hot water heater company. It's like, you have some brand awareness, you have authority, but yep. the fact that you were just like, okay. Let's just call ourselves WW. And then I don't know, let's come up with words that have W in it and wellness and well being. Like, come on, piss poor job. Yeah. I give that I a think, two. Uh, I give that a yeah, two in my book. I, I think that's a good rating on that one. And, uh, and then the. I'm sorry, but okay. I do. God, yeah, I love it. I got you fired up. I got you fired. I knew it would. I knew it would go. They're latching onto a trend, right? They're still promoting mm. the same bullshit. They're still promoting mm. count calories. Every single yep. piece of food uh, is a, a certain number of points. Um, yep. So they're promoting the same bullshit and their program doesn't change or maybe it does. I don't know. I, I'm guessing it know. probably doesn't. But then they're just like, oh, I guess we're moving towards this body positive movement, <laughs> which is wellness. Okay, let's just call ourselves. What? Like you can't just call yourself something different. Like I can't yeah. just all of a sudden become a Tracy and all of a sudden my personality <laughs> changes. Like... <laughs> two okay. i give it a two okay i like that i knew i knew one of these would get you fired up and then the last one that i have is tgi fridays last year uh went through a rebrand and it dropped the tgi and now it's just fridays okay interesting why is it 
I maybe Fridays aren't as awesome as they were. Like maybe it's because it's thank God it's Fridays. They're trying to lose like the the God. I don't know. I I couldn't really find any reasoning or background or case study on it. Um, thank God it's, it's Fridays. It's just Fridays. That was TGIF, right? T TGIF does not hit me any differently than Fridays hits me. And TGIF is like kind of a staple. Like that's a restaurant that's everywhere. That's it's a big chain. Like TGIF had no yeah. negative feelings for me. It was like you knew you could get so some wings I was in, when and, i was in dublin like, they had t yeah. they had fridays there it's huge why why just drop it why you know? I, why that that's like, my react that's my gut reaction why question mark me too i like that one too <laughs> okay well that one that one was by choice uh let's talk about the main story tonight which was one rebrand by force by lawsuit actions so um when i say the three letters wwf what's the first thing that comes to your mind Caitlin? wrestling wrestling 100 you think wrestling. so yep yeah why uh i mean you kind of we both kind of grew up in that age where it's just becoming huge like uh like yeah do you do you have experience did you ever watch it did you ever were you like a fan oh my god i do have a story around this so first of all no i did not watch it but we used to watch cable when we were younger right and yeah. like you would watch you'd be watching everybody loves raymond or something and then <laughs> 9 p.m would hit and it's like and now it's wwf wrestling and you're like yeah. fuck me i guess it's time to go to bed this sucks yeah. like as a whatever 12 year old like yeah. i had no interest it was almost kind of like that infomercial hour 100 where 100%. like as soon as oh my god a good uh the 700 club too where you're like oh fuck <laughs> yeah. this just yeah, came like... on like this totally disrupted my entire night <laughs> yeah i'm with this... you I, I <laughs> wwf was uh was equal to the 700 club in my book yes um, I, so, I i would agree with that on my book too like but here's 100%. what's interesting so i went to college at the university of arizona and i roomed uh my sophomore year with two of my best friends and they started getting really into the wwf i don't know i do not know why hmm. why but i think it had something to do with their childhood and maybe like they watched it yeah. every once in a while with their parents so in college it became this like movement for them and i fucking hmm. hated it they were like almost overly into it like almost yeah it was almost kind of like a performative piece for them to say i'm into wwf so this the story with this was um, the WWF was coming to Tucson, Arizona, which is where I went to school, and Ooh. a car dealership was giving out free tickets. So because I wanted to hang out with them and they were two of my best friends, we drove around to every single fucking car dealership and sat through like some sort of intro bullshit and put our name in the bucket to get these WWF <laughs> tickets. And they ended up winning. So they went to the WWF no show. Yeah, 100%. 100%. At least, at least it's like sitting through a timeshare, but you get like the free ticket to shit at the end. Like, it was exactly yeah, like a timeshare. I'm with you. Well, hey, at least that one paid off, you know? Not um, for me. Yeah, I think, well, you didn't go. You didn't get your ticket. 
Um, yeah, I, the only memory I never watched it, never got into it. The only memory I really have of it is like, uh, I, I mean, young boys arguing about whether it was fake or real. Like that mm. was like the the elementary school like debate, like wrestling's mm. fake. No, it's not. Blah 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 blah. Um, but I agree with you. WWF to me, hundred percent wrestling. When I hear that, still yeah. wrestling. But there is another WWF uh, in from 1961 uh, started in Switzerland. It's the World or it's the World Wildlife Foundation, a nonprofit organization focused on preserving habitats and endangered species throughout the world. We know them best from those commercials with the polar bear on the floating ice ice thing uh, and that single polar bear. You know what I'm talking about? You're giving me like can, you've seen that commercial with like. Oh yeah, bear yes, just like yes, floating yes. out on its own in on the ice, and it's like donate now or kill the polar bears. Um, speaking that's of polar, speaking really of brand for. identity, when you say polar bear on the ice, guess what brand I think of? Coca Cola, right? Hundred percent. Oh yeah, I, I think of it too. I'm like, yep, sipping the Coca Cola. So it took me a second to switch to the world, like, yeah, but I do shift, remember those commercials. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The World Wildlife Foundation needs a lot of help. So um, in 1994, they uh, there's a lawsuit filed by the World Wildlife Foundation. So they filed this lawsuit against WWF in America over the use of those three letters, WWF. Which is, I mean, you can see their reasoning. Like, they don't want to be totally. associated. This this organization that's doing their thing doesn't want to be associated with, like, The Rock, The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan. Like, they're like, we don't want our brand overlapping with that. Yep. So, let's just say you're the brand manager for the Wildlife Foundation, Caitlin. And you see this WWF uh, organization taking rise. Like, what are some tactics you may use be besides lawsuits? Uh, or do you just go straight lawsuit if they're infringing on their brand? Like, is there anything you can do on your end managing this wildlife fund that could kind of counteract that? Any strategies that come into your brain? I guess, I mean, I, I look at it from a standpoint of M&P, if there was mm -hmm. another M&P out there. But do we have the funds to bring a company like the World Wrestling Foundation down and into court? No, we would get fucking buried. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I'm like, how much money do we have to actually invest in this? The second thing is like, don't rely on WWF. Actually brand yourself as World Wildlife Foundation and done. I agree. Well, I agree with you, but the, the, the initial court case came down to uh, a very typical type of case at the time uh, where it really came down to the use of WWF.com. Domains oh. in the early 90s were being bought up everywhere, right? Like uh, I, when I was reading this, I saw this awesome little piece in the story where Madonna actually took someone to court over the use of Madonna.com because it was a porn site. So he was using Madonna.com as a porn site. And so Madonna was like, I should have the rights to Madonna.com. And it was the first time brands kind of like took ownership of the digital space was like, mm. you know, New York Times was a paper. Now they have to own New York Times.com. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. and if somebody else owns that, there could be they could be charging hundreds and thousands of millions of dollars. Man, um, Zach, to know what we know 
to be that, to know what we know now, wouldn't it be wonderful to be those first pioneers in the digital space? We would just fucking buy all these URLs and charge millions of dollars for it. Well, uh, there's a fun, there's a little domain gold rush going on right now because they're thinking that uh, they're going to start letting websites host uh, domains, host names with emojis and emojis <sighs> only. So like smileyface.com, like emoji smileyface.com, sparkle sparkle.com. Oh my um, God. They think that's going to be the next wave. So people are starting to buy up emoji based domains. So uh, there is a little bit of a domain gold rush, same type of thing going on right now. Wow. Um, I hadn't heard that. That's really fascinating. Very interesting. Um, so uh, yeah, the, the WWF, the World Wildlife Foundation, Susan Court in 1994, they settle, which was the MO of uh, the Wrestling Foundation at the time. They were going through other sexual harassment lawsuits, uh, forced steroid use of some of their performers lawsuits, uh, and then they just tack this right on top. So um, they settled. They The World Wrestling, the Wrestling Federation agreed to like pull back on usage of the WWF only. They weren't going to change the name. They were just going to say the WWF. Uh, we're going to pull back on that. And it didn't work. They didn't do anything. They kept going on. Um, so, but let's, let's switch parties now. So you you were on the wildlife. Let's put you in the wrestling federation. You have this brand WWF, you have this world wrestling federation. What's your move when they come to you and say, Hey, we can't use this acronym anymore. What's your first step? Like, is it, do you just say, fuck it? Let's, let's rename it. Do you try to find creative ways to use it? Do you try to see how far you can bend the rules? Like how much brand equity are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. How long has WWF been a thing at this point? The, the wildlife foundation was started in 1961. Your company, the wrestling federation has been started in 1980. So about a 20 year difference. And now it's 1994. So you have about 14 years under your belt. 14 years is no small feat for a company to get legs I off agree. the ground. So that's a tough one. I would say if they're in year five, just like eat it, move on, rebrand. What does WWF stand for? World Wrestling Federation. Federation. World, yeah, wildlife World Wildlife Foundation. Foundation. Okay, World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I would fight for it for sure. And it's kind of... As the World Wildlife Foundation, they can really rely on World Wildlife Foundation. That's what they're known as. They're not known as WWF. Mm -hmm. WWF is definitely more associated with wrestling. So if I were 100%. in the position of the Wrestling Federation, um, I would fight for it. <laughs> I would. Yeah. You just try to find creative ways to use it. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, or you, if they already came at me with a lawsuit, I would fight. I would fight it. I assume that they have a lot of money at I'm this with point. You. Uh, decent, but they settled, remember? Like, they just settled it. So, like, you've already signed. But I'm with you. Like, I would fight it, too. Because really, I think, um, I mean, the settlement didn't last long. WWF, the, the Wrestling Federation, didn't change anything. They just kept doing their thing. They signed the settlement. They kept doing their thing. And in 2002, eight years later, 
World Wildlife Foundation formally filed another lawsuit saying they breached their settlement. No, I was just going to say, like, I'm so much more of a, uh, what do I call myself? Like, I'm reasonable and I am under the assumption (laughs) that everybody is reasonable, which is just not the case. (laughs) So if I were the creative director at WWF, I would approach the CEO of World Wildlife Foundation and be like, yo, bro, let's just talk this through like adults. (laughs) Like, let's figure this out. Can you use this while we use this? Can you brand this way while we brand this way? And we just come to a conclusion instead of like getting lawyers involved, I would just go to the CEO directly and say, yo, I know that there's a solution for this. Let's sort it out. But no, yeah, one's that's the dream, the but I don't think, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, and, and I just think it's, it's like this uh, nonprofit saving the animals foundation was pretty ruthless. Like they were pretty ruthless in protecting their brand, which I thought was very, very, interesting dichotomy yeah um yeah so in this court case they go to court um you know ww the wildlife people are like this is sullying our brand this they have unsavory they have sexual harassment lawsuits like this is not a quality brand that we even want any conflation with like we don't want any confusion the wrestling federation is i think rightly so arguing in the public mind that these two companies are so different there's there's literal there's literally zero confusion yeah. about the like which one's which like you see one WWF and you see another the other W there's no it's not like they're infringing on each other yeah like they're very very different brands um so they they claimed and then they claimed like this is uh an infringement of of our freedom of commerce like world wildlife is like just stomping on toes because we have a right to be called wwf our name's world wrestling federation like the names aren't close how do you own they'd had they had trademarks on the wwf but how do you really own that you know like it's it's like it's like when uh in our we work podcast when they trademarked we right like they trademark we and like how do you really trademark that right like that's that's a tough argument well the the wrestling federation in court said the rebrand would cost about 40 million dollars and you got to think on this one as well like merchandising levels are skyrocketing like they had action figures clothing line and not to mention hours and hours and hours of footage that prominently featured this WWF brand that they would have to somehow take down. And uh, they went back and forth. And then the judge in England ruled that the Wildlife Foundation owned WWF, that Wrestling Federation was building their brand on shaky ground. Wow. And they need to completely rebrand. To the point that the settlement kept going forward to the point that uh, for a long time, like old footage, when they would play like old footage of WWF wrestlers, like even in HD, they, the brand would be blurred out. So you'd have this like brand, this blurred out section of the episodes or the matches like they had to go through, blur that out. Um, but Vic, Vince McMahon, who with connections to Trump, he's a fucking weird dude. He's the owner of the Wrestling Federation. And in typically wrestling fashion, he rebranded the company as WWE 
uh, by saying, get the F out <laughs> and <laughs> for all of his, uh, for all of his things. I thought that was pretty clever. Um, yeah. Two do you have any thoughts on, on that? Yeah. Two thumbs up on that marketing slogan for me. Get the F out. I mean, lean into it at that point. Right. Um, so just kind of recapping, bringing it back to marketing, thinking about a rebranding effort. What is the most difficult piece? of a rebranding effort for you? Like when you're thinking about this, what do you think is the most difficult? I mean, you said it, oh my God. I mean, there's a lot of difficult pieces, right? Like you need to get buy-off from every single stakeholder involved in this. And that's pretty difficult. <laughs> like I've experienced, it goes through a lot of months. You assume that it's going to take a year to rebrand and it ends up taking two years to just get the logo redone. And then you said it, mm -hmm. the, the amount of merchandise that you wasted and you have to rewrap like all of your arenas with WWE. You have to, mm -hmm. um, the TV commercials, you have to pay video editors, sorry, not commercials, but the TV episodes where you have to pay video editors to blur out. That is what 15 years of footage that you have to go back yep. through and do that for like, that is a nightmare. So I'd say that's the hardest part, 100%, is going It's just backwards. kind of ripping off the Band-Aid. Yeah, is, or is just kind of ripping off the Band-Aid. I'm thinking rebranding in general. Like, at some point, uh, you hit the nail on the head, too, in my experience. There's too many chefs in the kitchen. If you get too much buy-in from everybody, it's going to go nowhere, and you're yeah. going to have a Pepsi just yes. twist of a logo yes. like you just yes. need to rip off the band-aid people are gonna hate it at first and then they're gonna get used to it like that's just how it fucking works you know we just went through a rebrand um not uh not our company but here in tahoe there's a legendary uh, ski area called squaw valley and they hosted the mm -hmm. 1960s olympics winter olympics so it's a nice. staple it's a staple in tahoe um all the pro skiers ski at squaw it like ha it has a lot of clout if you are born and raised in squaw valley um yeah and they recently rebranded to palisades at tahoe and the reason being is squaw is a native term and it's a little bit derogatory towards women Mm. Um, and a lot of the skier bras are kind of up in arms. Like you can't rebrand Squaw Valley. Like this has clout in the oh, Tahoe really? area. Yeah. And then everybody kind of on the left mm. side of things is like, dude, this is a derog. First of all, you're using like native language in a completely inconsiderate way. It's like a little bit of cultural appropriation and so now it's Palisades Tahoe and the logo comes out and it's everyone is like, this is a shit logo. And in my opinion, I'm looking at it. I mean, I have, I definitely have bias because I grew up here, but I'm also looking at it from a creative mm -hmm. director's standpoint. And I'm like, that's not a bad logo. You guys like, it's not bad. <laughs> um, it's a solid <laughs> brand, but here's the thing. It's like, it takes so much buy off not just from the stakeholders, but from the community. You have to convince an entire mm -hmm. community that this is the right way to go. And you said it, change takes time. People are very against change and then they will come around to it, but it takes a long time. I mean, every single person I grew up with still calls it squaw. Uh, 
Cap and I just yep. coming moving back to this community, we call it Palisades, but it's hard to like move move on from the Squaw legacy. Um, so that's just I an agree. interesting rebrand. Um, and just to kind of back up your point of the community buy-in, it's not just stakeholders, it's community. 100%. Um, you know, I, what that made me think of was the popular one was the Washington Redskins yes. lost their trademark because of their the football team because of their you know derogatory name and and logo and to the point that they had so many chefs in the kitchen that they couldn't choose a new mascot it's just called the washington football team now and like it that is just paralysis by decision like you're just like we're a football team okay let's go like you, you it's not difficult literally anything you have a team that's called the jaguars you got a team that's called the they used to be a team called the oilers like there's literally you can pick anything it's a team like and you couldn't you just paralysis by decision like the Washington football team and their, their ticket sales are down because they don't have buy-in. Like, how do you buy in? Well, and that, you're not you know? creating a community. If you have that, uh, well, let me ask you, you might know a little bit more, but are they still working on that rebrand or are they just like literally like, uh, I don't want to do it anymore. It's Washington. They, they keep pushing it out and eventually it's going to be, I just think it's not going to have anything. Like they just keep pushing out. They said, we'll be ready after a year. We'll be ready next season. We'll be ready next season. They just keep pushing out. And I just think it's going to be, they're, they're going to just own yeah. it. Well, that's end, really fascinating. The Washington football team. That's really fascinating about the ticket sales too, because you do have to you have to create kind of a cult like behavior around uh, athletic teams and even beyond athletic teams, like clothing wear. Like I think of Supreme or streetwear brands that it's like if you see mm. someone walking around with a Supreme T shirt, like they know that they're walking around with a Supreme T shirt. They think they have clout. Like mm -hmm. it's kind of a, a you're like, oh, you're a streetwear kid. Cool. Do you go skateboarding at the end of your day or you know whatever yep. it is um yep. but you have to create that community around your brand yeah i totally agree so i think what you touched on was my last question for you was uh what's the best part about a rebranding mm. uh operation or campaign god just yeah, the excitement the around it it's just mm -hmm. the the possibilities are so endless. You're kind of starting off with a blank slate. Um, not in the example of our water heater company, because we did need to just build off of their legacy that they left behind. But in the example of Squaw Valley, um, you know, you're starting from a blank slate. You could choose, and like you said, you you can choose any name out there and have fun with the mm -hmm. naming convention. You get to choose what this ski area means to you. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to the community? And you get to have fun with words. Like that's the most exciting part. And you know, we've done naming conventions here, our our company, and it's exciting. It, and some people come to with come to the table with the most arbitrary ideas. That's like, you know, I, I was looking at a keyboard, so I think a keyboard could be a cool logo mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of fun to start with that clean blank slate. But then you kind of get into it and you start building these brands 
And then you start getting sign off from all of these different chefs in the kitchen. And you're like, okay, that, this is when it starts to become really tedious. And uh, one of our clients said this to me and I've really held on to it. It's like, you can never be too strategic with presenting to a client and getting sign off. Mm. You will never be good enough mm -hmm. of that because often we'll go into a meeting mm. and we'll say, here are the logos. And they'll be like, cool, we like them. And it's like, what do we do with that? where do we go and mm -hmm. a lot of people have a very hard mm -hmm. time articulating their creative ideas and they also have a hard time like giving feedback because i think that they don't want to creative is a very personal process and they don't want to hurt your feelings mm -hmm. so a lot of the time it's like they really don't like a logo but they're telling us that they do and we're mm -hmm. we're here because we're presenting strategy so mm -hmm. tell us, tell us your feelings. What does this make you feel? So I think that's the painful process is the beginning stages, like phase one, that's just the most exciting piece of this. This is where you have fun. This is where everybody gets to input their ideas. Cool. Now we build off of these ideas and we start presenting and that's where it starts to become really painful. <laughs> and you can never be too strategic with that. I completely agree. I, you've, completely agree with that and i yeah. think just for one last time we'll bring it back to the water our water heater which uh our water heater redesign i think you failed to mention like their old logo had a character like a water heater with arms yeah. and legs character guy um and there was so much discussion about whether to remove him update him get rid of him like the people were attached to this character of this brand yeah and it was a battle trying to get that away because yeah. yeah. it, it, it wasn't well right, you, you know? have some like young people like us you know like people are starting like millennials are starting to kind of own the purchasing power in today's society so we come in and we say listen this is what the millennial demographic is interested in but you're pitching to an, a ceo who has been the mm. ceo for 80 plus years and he's like i am so attached to this logo because not <laughs> only does it have like memories for me it emits yeah. feelings um there's so much involved in that logo and there's so much legacy that he has to let go of so it's mm -hmm. kind of like a battle between trends and what your target audience actually wants to see versus 100%. feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's what we saw with Squaw Valley and now Palisades is it's a battle between like, this is a logo for a ski area. Like that's what it is, but you're, we're battling an entire community that has a lot of history here. They, they raised their children here. They raced there, they competed. Uh, so you're battling emotions and strategy and that's where it gets really difficult. That's where people start to bump heads. And I think more of the story is not, not you can't make everyone ha happy. If you try to appeal to everyone, you'll end up appealing to no one. So yeah uh that's you just that's the inevitable fight well yeah. i i i appreciated that insight i think you have i knew this would get you fired up um what we're gonna do is in our facebook group manipulating the masses podcast we're gonna post some of these logo updates some good ones and bad ones we want to hear your feedback maybe even toss in a couple that we've done to open us up to harsh criticism as if this podcast wasn't enough <laughs> um, so go ahead and join that Facebook group, Manipulating the Masses podcast, and we'll have some fun with you on there.
Uh, do you have any anything else, Caitlin? Do you have any other thoughts? Any inspirational quotes you want to leave us with? Good ad, bad ad? We cut this out of the last one. And I just have to say my favorite Super Bowl commercial was the QR code. Yes. That's that's all I want to leave I like people with. One. I liked it. It was it was uh it was strategic and I can appreciate people doing something different. And I'll leave you guys with that. Until next time. Love it. Till next time. Bye.